0: David, my calves are so tight. Have you
1: been running? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I have been running. So, well, we're meant to do an evergreen podcast um, in, advert where we can use it on any podcast. But if you're admitting to running, this is, this is going to be like a, a biannual. This is very funny. That's very funny indeed.
0: Get, <laughs> get off and explain how I can help my
1: tight calves. So, do badders, if you've not heard our very... Overly long and bad uh, introduction of the pulse roll. Pulse roll. Pulse roll. We on um, roll. BBC. Um, We we have, we were at the running show, and national running show, and we were walking around just to seeing what cool things there were. There were quite a few cool things. Most of them we knew, and then we saw the pulse roller, which is basically a vibrator the size of King Kong. Um, <laughs>
0: It's not a oh. vibrator; it's a vibrating a vi- roller within within a foam roller. <laughs> <laughs> so you cut me off short. I'm not sure high. that that's how it's developed.
1: I'm not. <laughs> I'm just. I'm reading what, out a load I'm of vibrators, of and then they we
0: put a foam roller over the top of it.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's basically what they've done. So, instead of you, if you've ever tried to roll um, your muscles, which is often quite annoying and painful, one of those things that you never end up doing because it's just a bit of a faff you have to position yourself and then put your whole body weight on stuff and um it's it's just a bit annoying so this instead you just put it under wherever you want a little bit of a massage turn it on boom jobs a good one. and um and it works works really really well because it's, it's exactly like a, a focus foam roller but with a little help on the inside oh yeah do we, we've got an offer <laughs> so that's really interesting david and thanks for that (laughs) so if you want to get one for yourself uh, and help support the podcast go to pulseworld.com and you get 20 percent off everything on offer just use the code f y b for fuck you buddy and uh you'll be rolling away the rest of your days (laughs) i'm buzzing and buzzing you'll be buzzing exactly exactly no more injuries sweet they're bad they're boys and occasionally they talk about running
2: yes it's the bad boy running podcast with your hosts jody rainsford and david heller come back.
1: baby come back
2: but the bye 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 bye
1: but bye 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 i must admit i was a clone to be messing around but that doesn't mean that Bye bye bye
0: bye 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 bye
1: bye. Hey, how
0: you doing? I'm all right, David Hellard. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you, Jodie Rainsford. Um, actually, I was just talking about you. I was just emailing about you. I was just ah, oh, you were you were right in the centre of my world for a while. Once was again, I? was I right inside you? <laughs> right inside my heart, with your parts, indeed,
0: indeed. Um, <laughs> why? What was this? I don't. This normally, normally, this normally doesn't end up being something beneficial to me.
1: It's, I, I don't know if it will be beneficial to you. It might be beneficial to your heart in some way. So um, I when you do bad, if you've not been listening to the last couple of episode, episodes, uh, Jodie has been going on a completely pointless um, quest to try and run every street in Arsenderville, Titsville, Brightonshire. Uh, on, yeah.
0: Haven't, is it? have have it? You can't, geez, how can you not get the name? It's Hayward's Heath.
1: Hayward's Heath. Hey, was, that's near Haven, isn't it? There's nowhere near Haven at all. <laughs> it,
0: it, David, just if you haven't listened before, David's definition of geography is London somewhere else. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. pretty
1: much. Yeah. <laughs> and London's pretty big in my job. <laughs> it's either <laughs>
0: London or somewhere else.
1: Yeah. But, um, I... Based on your posting, and then Susie Cornwall posting about running around wherever it is she's from, I figured. I thought, who's why don't Su- we? Who's have- Susie Cornwall? Not cute. Susie Cornwall. What's Susie's <laughs> surname? Calder. Oh, too- Susie Cowder. Too many Caesars. <laughs> well, maybe Susie Cornwall's a legend as well. Um, Susie Cowder. Running around Cornwall. Running around Cornwall. (laughs) That's right. She's been running around Cornwall. That's a confusion. So I, I um, I messaged Strava, um, UK head, and said, "Look, can you somehow allow our group to do a combined heat map and try and run around every street in the UK?" And he messaged back within about twenty seconds, going, "This is so stupid. I'll see what I can do." so we're waiting to find out I mean I've, having emailed him I thought there's no way we're going to be able to do that but I do like the idea of, of almost starting I like this. the way I like what I like is the epic DNF that's going to occur <laughs> But I like the idea of having these little pockets of fully completed villages and towns <laughs> and then massive wastelands where we're like, "Yep, yeah, no one listens to us there or no one could be asked to get well, out of bed I, there. I
0: quite like it because we can gamify this, can't we? We can absolutely gamify this. Well, no, it, it, the thing is, you know what's going to happen that everyone in like the, there's because we've got a massive contingent in the southwest who are very active and stuff. They're yeah. going to. But then it's a little bit harder, isn't it? Because. There's a lot more. So, in doing it, London's pretty easy because you just, yeah. you know, everything's a pavement. Really easy. You get to some parts of like the southwest and everything, and you're running on a road. That if there's a car coming down it, one <laughs> if you? What if you, it's not as easy?
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, we'd, I mean we'd, we'd obviously have to discount motorways. Um, I guess A roads are. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Look, we'll
0: do- I don't know. You can't discount any roads. Every road means every road.
1: <laughs> Maybe we can put a a treadmill on the back of a slow moving car or maybe we
0: could just get an rv loan an rv from someone fire up the rv
1: and just drive around all the motorways rob young's not using his (laughs) (laughs) but we're gonna he's gonna hopefully try and see if he can sort that and then we're gonna see if as a group we can try and and to be fair we've got quite a few listeners in other pockets of the world so I reckon Singapore's doable for sure I reckon
0: uh, I, I reckon I think is I think we could do this I absolutely think and I think what we should do is we should start with London we should all like on one particular day congregate in London and see how much of it like all go in separate directions and stuff with different boroughs and everything oh, that's and such see how a good much idea. we can get done
1: Yeah I like that see if we can can you zone 1 in zone 1 in one day Oh, do you know what I was thinking? Could you do the city in one day? I,
0: Because I, th- I, I th- the thing is, when you start it, you realise just how much pointless running you're doing. Like how, m- <laughs> how many t- how many times you're coming back on yourself.
1: Or do you, do you realise just how pointless running is? <laughs> yes. Is it more, but I have more to, to do with that?
0: I have to say, it is weirdly, weirdly addictive. I find myself... <laughs> Sitting like uh, like at work sometimes, like just on th- an off moment thinking, well if I go out tonight, I know that I can knock off that little thing, and then that just gets that sort of like you know the northwest corner of uh, of Hayward's Heath done. And then if I plan it right, I can start working my way through, you know, through like towards the, the sort of the west side of it. And you do actually find yourself trying try to think about, okay, so you, you leave you leave bits as well and go, okay, I, I can do that bit in half an hour. You know how long it takes you to do different bits. Oh, nice, and so, yeah. And so you actually, so you end up looking forward to it. It's weird. It's like how can something so dull and so boring actually turn into something that's quite... Quite compelling, and I've, and the other thing I've worked out is that I have on my schedule to yeah, go for like a half-hour recovery run or something like that. Doing this adds um, between ten and fifteen minutes to every single run that I do. <laughs> just because oh, I end course, up going, I end it's... up going. Oh, if I could just get out that coldy
1: sack, <laughs> I won't have to go back to it again. <laughs> this is t- so actually. I mean, it's quite a good analogy for life, isn't it? That pointless. Nothingness in life is ultimately satisfying if it's slightly gamified <laughs> yeah, and you're exactly. rewarded in a pointless way. Yeah,
0: absolutely, <laughs> yeah, like the most pointless of tasks can be can, you can do. I don't know why can't you do that for other things? It's amazing. But I, I tell you what, it absolutely has. I mean, i i will I will literally think about going. All right, I'm going to try and knock off uh, Bolnall down in the. Uh, Sort of like southwest, and if I can get around that, and oh wait a minute, what route should I take? Should I go on the? The trouble
1: um... is, JD, none of this might count towards the Do Badder Strava um, heat map. Uh, well, you, well, why? Because it might be we we only begin it from when they set. The technology up. I don't know if, we, if they'll let us retro. I don't think it's really in the spirit of it just to let us retrospectively upload all of our runs just today. Just make it up like my bits.
0: Come on, it's going to be weird. Just admit, <laughs> upload one person's bit so I don't have to do it again.
1: But think how satisfying it will be to try and beat your time of completing haywood's Heath
0: from last time. Someone else can do haywood's Heath. Ross Dobbs can do haywood's Heath or something like that. I'll <laughs> move. I, I want to do. If we do this, I'm going to move on to Brighton. for no, no. no what I, I
1: want what, what is you, for you to have to do it. And then you're going to be so tired, you're going to go to bed. And that night, Russ Stubbs is going to get up and he's going to do five minutes of running and complete Hayward's heat. <laughs> he gets the trophy. <laughs> He'd have done the 1% and he'll get all the glory and be like, guys, look who's just polished off the first town. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in, goal hanger,
0: glory, all the glory. No, unbelievable
1: so watch this space do Baz? we'll get back to you i don't know if it's going to be possible but if not there must be some developers who would do bad as where there is a, uh, a website that actually you can upload your own data to i think to create heat maps i'm sure it wouldn't take a huge amount of reprogramming of that site for us to then be able to
0: <laughs> how about you reprogram your site so we can do a pointless exercise that we know <laughs> we have there's absolutely no chance we're going to finish <laughs>
1: If we say run the world, it, then people love anything like that. They do. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get Danny Bent to, to do some PR on it and then perfect. We'll, I've got a funny story
0: about Danny Bent. Um, Jenna, um, went up, it's my member of my, member of my staff, um, yeah. when I, uh, I, she went to um, Advertising Week Europe. Uh, yeah. was it was a big marketing conference in, in, uh, in Europe and stuff, uh, in London. And... Uh, she went to loads of different things, like all about influencers, stuff like that and everything. Yeah. And, um, and she comes back, she goes, yeah, it was really interesting. You know, I, she was explaining all the different things. She goes, yeah, one day I was sat next to this guy and I didn't realise who, you know, who he was or anything, but he was dressed really funnily. Right? And I didn't realise actually he was one of the speakers. And apparently he, um, he's one of the, like, voted one of the happiest people on earth or something. And, and he was a runner. You should speak to him. I, forget, I bet it's Danny Bent you're talking about. And we looked at the thing and it was. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. He's speaking everywhere at the moment. It's fantastic. He was... I, did, I didn't know that there was, a, there was a prize for being the happiest person in the world. And he was like sixth or seventh or something.
1: Yeah, The Guardian did a top hundred. Oh, did they? Yeah, a few years ago. Um... Which I'm I'm annoyed that I wasn't in the running for that one because I'm pretty pretty happy. I mean, I think was it, you probably being the it, was second. It,
0: was it was it um,
1: Special Forces Week year though? Ye- oh yeah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be why I didn't have a good year that year, did I? No,
0: it was your Anna's Horribilis.
1: I met E. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't a good Kevin year for Ryan Tinder. turn me down.
0: <laughs> harriet <laughs> never got what she wanted Harriet, harriet
2: <laughs> from
1: <laughs> what a terrible year i missed my date with I, what wasn't emilina oh what a year what a year <laughs> i was 101 apparently apparently those, those things had Hundred and one. <laughs> would have crept in but um actually that brings me on to something i was going to mention so uh-huh. um I was going to talk about this in about three weeks' time because I've, I'm so far behind talking very about... specific. Say again? was very specific. Well, just because I always try and discuss things in my life in, in a proximate order. But I'm so far behind on talk of injuries and podiatry and all of that that um, I thought I'd wait until it made sense. But Danny Bent was speaking at RunFest Run, Fest Run oh, uh, this weekend. Yes.
0: The festival I very... I, at the running show they approached me and said oh are you interested and I told them I fucking hate festivals
1: <laughs> so yes. no I wasn't
0: <laughs> well
1: you might regret that you might regret
0: that I might regret that you, I, there was loads of pictures from it loads of pictures on the group and everything there seemed to be a lot of do there
1: as well yeah there were quite a few I was quite surprised um, but then I think it's partly because so many do have family although having said that a few of the quite, in fact most people I met there didn't have families either <laughs> Great anecdotal evidence. (laughs) Whoops, just thinking of Sarah. But um (laughs) but yeah, so basically I was getting along to that and you know I'm friends with Theo who organizes Love Trails, it's an amazing event, and I know they were really worried about this huge BMF coming in with Chris Evans. And if you're not a if you're not a Brit, Chris Evans is basically how would you describe him? He's he's Ginger radio man. Yeah, he's the Howard Stern of the UK. (laughs) What? The closest thing i try to think of anyone the closest
0: howard, howard stern <laughs> if howard stern was in no way uh controversial
1: yes yeah if you took howard stern's enthusiasm and energy and slightly risque without actually crossing that line
0: you're the thing is you're kind of right like chris evans used to be risque didn't he
1: yeah he was he was really edgy at one point yeah i mean he got he was so he was he was the the biggest dj in the uk for a while until he got kicked off because he was getting drunk with he didn't tell gallagher. Up for Work one day yeah instead he went down the pub Do with no gallagher
0: that?
1: yeah that was and he told the papers as well didn't he He told the papers i'm not a radio one today because i'm drunk in the pub with these guys <laughs> i mean he and was scott, pretty rock and roll did, did scott mills have to take over that day Possibly.
0: I think he did. And, I think he did. And it was actually really good. And I just kept thinking, oh, this is really good. You haven't got Chris Evans. Not that I don't like Chris Evans, but I just think Scott Mills, because Scott Mills didn't have a script or anything. So he just played music. Remember, like, listen to Ready One? And they just played music and didn't talk. And you're like, <laughs> wow, this is brilliant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so Chris has put together a festival with someone called uh, Vasus Alexander, who does a pod, parkrun podcast, who's a big ultrunner himself. And I was going into it thinking, this is going to be a bit bland. But actually, it was one of the, I, I don't. Th- it's going to sound like this is an insult, but it was one of the loveliest things I've ever been to. Oh, that's nice. Why? Wait, 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 go on, explain. Everything. So they. it was called RunFest Run. It had quite a few bands on, but the bands were on at night. It had quite a few speakers who were there during the day when people were out on various different runs. But So we turned up Friday night, and uh, we got there reasonably late, and uh, Razorlight were on, so that was great. We we started watching Razorlight. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I guess they're a young dad band, aren't they? I
0: that's quite big, isn't it? I, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, I mean they they're pretty. They had some pretty. good, I mean the names they had there in, in every way was yeah. pretty good. So they had Razorlight, who I was getting very into, and uh, and also we'd been tricky quite a bit, and then at the end of that about 11 o'clock they went right it's time for the, the 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 night run and all of the all of the people who came were in four different teams where you were given bumblebee butterfly um dragonfly and and something else and you then got these lights these these lights for each team and also your own top and also your own accessories and suddenly everyone took off on this 5K night run, we were there dressed in our dry robes, in our normal clothes, uh, with two beers in each arm, all of our kit and our bags. We we're like, we've got to do this, start running along. And the teams are being led out by Porter Ratcliffe, by Colin Jackson, by Steve Cram, and by Joe Pavey. So not, we, we decided to see, see what they would got and went out as fast as we could. <laughs> within about 500 meters we felt like we were a mile in and we're just absolutely dying but then suddenly paula ratcliffe comes along and she's she's having a great time chatting it turns out that um one of our group is a bit of a paula ratcliffe stalker not me not me this time so um so paula um is then stalking paula with um with her friend Megan and Paula's there trying just really scared just hearing these footsteps behind her not being able to she's just saying, "Can you just let me know which way you're going to pass on Worried going to get trampled and uh so they start going here um Joe Pavey absolute legend comes and chats to us for a while as many go and meet her family afterwards but goes to someone else's tent to get some beers has some beers instead so it's like the start of the first day so already we're like this is this is quite lively compared to what I thought was going to be a real family event. The next day, Saturday, unbelievable weather, pretty lucky with that. But you've got talks from Paula Ratcliffe, all the people I've mentioned, Uh, Christina Hurugu, the Olympic champion. You've got your usuals like, uh, you've got Chrissy Wellington, you've got, usuals like danny bett danny ben and susie chan and some just amazing talks but then the runs themselves they had a half marathon in the morning so chris evans goes out runs the whole of the half marathon sub 130 absolutely bossing it paula Paula goes and runs the whole thing with people just running with her talking and um yeah so all of the these big names are running rounds inspiring everyone loads of young people doing their first ever half marathon and that was kind of the the theme of the day where there's a half then a 10 there's a 10k two and a half k a 5k and you could have kids with buggies you could have really young children doing all these distances the first time they've ever done these runs around this beautiful estate and it was because there were families everywhere and everyone was dressed up scoring points for their teams just the atmosphere was so energetic and lovely and then if you back that up with in the evening they had um morax joe what's his name the guy from x factor that dude he was fun they had faithless doing a dj set what yeah amazing and chris evans or vasos are basically comparing the whole of the day and they're being incredibly funny, but also just the loveliest and, like, coming to the crowd, bringing people on stage, involving everyone. Everyone's getting face painted up. Um, and then, yeah, that it, it, then more booze again and amazing mm-hmm. night. And uh, the next day it came down to – they had this competition where they were um, – colin jackson's team were, were coming last uh, steve crams were coming first and they're like right we're doing a 5k but it's a fun 5k we've got to collect items they called pollen to try and win points so we wanted to get home fairly early we're like well we'll just pretend we're in the first team and go out first and th- i just forgot how fun kids are to be when you set them a challenge or something so they had various marshals with little plastic balls or uh, some water, water per uh, water, tank uh what you call them water guns um and then you could also get these small beach balls that would get you 150 points right the small balls were 10 points or 20 points and you could get a banana worth 500 points and the the team that were winning were, were 900 points ahead so as the first team if you imagine a plague of child locusts <laughs> where every steward is, is just the loveliest person trying to be like, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no. And then these of kids coming in, stealing all the balls. Running round. there's suddenly a 50-person choir in the woods singing um, Eye of the, Ti- the... You've got the Eye of the Tiger. What's the one? Not Eye of the Tiger, but one like that. "I" by Katy Perry. Oh, yes. I Raw. raw they're all seeing that and you come just from nowhere like wow this is incredible and then they had this strength hammer where you had to hit the hammer hit the bell at the top to get a banana and the stewards were there kind of being polite and like oh yeah a few people gonna have a go and suddenly seven of us in a row just turned up and just went bang 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 and so as we ran in the last 5k you see Vassar's Alexandra looking down and he saw me with another banana and he's like are you in the first team like yeah and you could see they were like, oh, no, there's nothing left on the whole course. Like the, <laughs> this team who were last have basically won seven times more points than anyone else possible. And... But it was just so fun to have all these kids around playing. And, and the, they had really nice stands with some really nice products, good food. It, it, it wasn't like a London Expo style. It felt like hardcore shopping. It was, it was kind of half farmer's market. Just everything about it was wonderful. And... Um, I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's very do-battery. You know, Love Trails is, is certainly more of kind of young people. But for a family, it, it, it makes you want to have kids. Oh, don't go crazy, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thing is, you don't have to deal with the aftermath of those children as well. So was it? Was it? Was it camping? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did they do? Oh, because this is the thing that I always think. Uh, whenever like um, you're in a campsite and stuff, and it's a family campsite. If there's any small amount of noise, people are moaning and stuff like that. And I suppose you kind of know that when you go to these things. I, again, I'm talking from no experience at all. I've never been. I've never been to a festival ever. But how <laughs> did that? How did that play out with um with with all the music and stuff?
1: Well, I mean, we everyone was in bed, including ourselves, by about twelve, because if you we were drunk, drinking quite aggressively. Yeah. But then there's not much to do once. The band stops. That's kind of it. You have yeah, to run. Yeah, I suppose so. And so, then then on the Saturday, you've—I mean, Chris Evans did—he did every single distance. So, um, oh, I mean, and I ended up there's a 3k, a road race 3k, 3k that I did against. Oh, uh, so Fred. you can, you can do them all if there's uh Oh yeah, he did every. I don't think he did the 3k, but he did every other one, which is basically a marathon. Wow. and most people were doing at least two or three. Um, during the day and i like even this this 3k we did we were, we were pr- feeling pretty rough and started you know having beers before but we went out and um we were going as hard as we could and there was this like 15 year old child <laughs> just smashing it as a head and so much enthusiasm basically it was incredible um, it's good that it really is that is good i like that
0: because yeah, when do you I'm, ever I'm, get to run against a 15 year old it's normally when they're, they're they're beating you in park run or something
1: yeah and they're so enthusiastic about it and and to and that's thing. so by t- by the time it got to 12 o'clock at night you know we were absolutely ruined because we've been doing all the running and then drinking and dancing to faithless and ollie mers for two three hours or something like that
0: yeah yeah i suppose uh, that i suppose yeah you're doing the physical exercise with it as well aren't you so
1: yeah
0: what was it so, yeah, i mean so, so what was the what was the toilet situation like
1: pretty good yeah fine i mean because it's only two days i don't think it ever they had lots of showers and i, I don't think it ever i mean the the question will be if it, if it rains it'll be so tough on families because you can't house that many people yeah under well under under tenting so um you know there are a few the the, the the talk tents could have fit maybe 150 um and so it would be such a different event if they got bad weather and and that'd be interesting to see what they do next year because it it felt like the perfect size where everything was was quite close there was so much atmosphere but actually there weren't queues for too many things you could get around everywhere easily and when you're running it wasn't too overcrowded which given that there's huge different speeds of everyone that could be a problem but um yeah so it would be interesting to see if they you're like right we'll just repeat that or whether they're actually going to try and grow it again yeah Um, yeah really really uh, just really
0: really interesting
1: yeah and they both came across as such nice people um Vassos and and Chris just like clearly just loving it and trying to make everyone you know walking around chatting to everyone on the runs and I
0: mean the thing is the 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 one thing you can't take away from from the way that he organized it I mean he did he, he looked like he was putting together like an incredible team he was like no, yeah. no expense spared in terms of making sure it's just got really good. But it obviously seems like the selection of, you know, running, uh, you know, uh, famous running people as well seemed absolutely spot on as well to, for them to have the ability to, you know, like go and chat with people and stuff like that. Because yeah. if you did that with, <laughs> there's a lot of very, very good ultra runners who I think you'd struggle to have a, have a conversation with, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not
1: sure yeah that's true yeah. i mean yeah it's, it's a big ask of them as well to essentially be on working um although they're just nice people so they're happy to chat i'm sure but in essence they're having to be nice to everyone for 48 hours
0: yeah yeah exactly well we have to do that the beer,
1: beer lovers so yeah it's true it's true <laughs> the things we do for you people <laughs> <laughs> but i'm going to give a quick update just oh, because While i remember We've got our guest coming on quite soon. He's just messaged me. Um, I think we've maybe got our time an hour ahead <laughs> or behind. But Newton Faulkner update. Oh, go on. So it's it's going to be hashtag get Newton is the hashtag on. I'm going to try and get it trending. I don't even know what that really means. We're trying to get it trending globally. So do <laughs> bad if you haven't listened to the last episode. Sorry, what was it? Get Newton.
0: Get Newton. Get Newton. It yeah. sounds like you're trying to kill him.
1: Well, I mean, that's going <laughs> to get, get his attention. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to be talking about this every week until Do Badders help me and we get his attention and he uh, agrees to play my wedding. So I've launched on Instagram, Bad Boy Running. I've done a, paste, a post on Facebook, but we basically need you to ask Newton Faulkner to play at my wedding, which is July next year and um, do it any means how. I've already planned my first video. I, uh, he is a lovely man with um, big ginger dreadlocks. So I'm going to uh, try and replicate his look using baked beans while in the shower and sing to him so i'm thinking that's the first one to try and get his attention i'm gonna to have to up it from there so do badders, i need your help with this because i think the only way he's gonna ever say yes is just through him thinking it's good pr and there being lots of marketing and noise around it i'm being so, frightened i'm being frightened yes indeed so if there's anything you can do or if you have any ideas just start posting start tagging him in it it will be ah oh, he'll save my wedding save my wedding it's gonna be a terrible wedding without him but uh, how's your training? It's going well. It's going
0: really well. I I'm running almost every day now. Uh, so I feel stronger and back in the game. Um, just got to deal with the uh, actual speed work now. So
1: I actually get quicker. So have you been doing any speed work around the cul de sacs?
0: It's weird. Um, some of the, because Hayward's Heath uh, is kind of on a hill and stuff like that, some of the runs when you go out for them, feel a little bit like hill repeats like you're running to the hmm. top of a cul-de-sac so i'd like run hard to the top of a cul-de-sac jog back down again run hard so they kind of it, it but the thing is, you don't know until you get to the cul-de-sac whether it's like that or not yeah, yeah of course yeah so so it's very really difficult to do so i tend to i tend to really only do the um like the recovery stuff uh and the long runs <laughs> around the cul-de-sacs um but everything else i do um either on a treadmill
1: or on flat yeah i mean that makes sense doesn't it and um, i guess if i if i started doing it i'd do try, i'd still do my track and my tempo runs would be somewhere that i know i can run fluidly
0: it's really difficult it's really difficult it's like it's, it's just such we just realize what an awful boring place it is to run it's just horrible to run in mm. the uh, like when you if you want to stay on the kind of flat there, there's a couple of um, Like disused rail lines. um, That if you can, like, you've got to drive to them for like ten minutes or whatever. But at least you can, at least you're kind of semi in the in the in the countryside, Mm. and and it's flat, and you know there's not going to be any incline anywhere, and it's pretty you know traffic free, and it's it's great. Um, But trying to find somewhere like you like not living in Brighton anymore, um, you miss either having the seafront, which is perfect and the promenade um or or any of the parks there as well because at least you can at least you can run on kind of like the flat in the parks as well
1: i guess that's the irony in a way of a big city is that you know you're going to find green space green space
0: that's made for people to to do activity on whereas when you go to like some of the places like like you know villages and towns and stuff like even though they're in the country it there's no like the green space is is the country there's no green space that is or you know um made for humans to yeah, to do activities on, as it were.
1: Is it quite hard to find good trail and like footpaths that are worth actually going for?
0: There's like somewhere like here is there are there are no they're not they're just not long enough. There are you can there's footpaths and stuff around, but the thing is when it when it rains, like a lot mm. of it's farmland and stuff, and when it rains, it's just it's it's completely impassable. Um, it's not like going up on the down we go on the south downs it doesn't really matter what the weather's like like it could be rain and stuff like that it's like nice nice to run on because it's it's uh it's a properly maintained trail uh and it's and it's also chalk as well so it's always always kind of hard um whereas yeah the trails around here they're not i wouldn't say they're the most scenic exactly they're just, yeah. you know, just like running yeah, just like running you know what we're running through like scrubby farmland is like? It's just, yeah. you think, oh I'm in the countryside, but it's not really countryside. It's just a load of industrial farming that's ruined the countryside. And that's what <laughs> I'm running through. I'm running through some ruined countryside.
1: Yeah. Well, have you um have you seen the latest controversy with Nike? Uh no. What is the latest controversy with Nike? Oh, it's interesting. So um and actually this is where you you, you do oh, – well, um, I don't know where, where I feel sorry for them or not, but sometimes companies like Nike or – you do feel a bit sorry for them in that because they're the biggest company, if everyone's doing something bad, people concentrate on them first. Right. And then the industry follows. So there's a really, really good article um, in the New York Times by uh, Alicia Montano, and she said that, she was a sponsored athlete who loved uh, you know was sponsored by Nike and it's you can be sponsored by Nike but if as soon as you have a child your funding goes what yeah because um it's all about results and it's all about um metrics right and so all these influencers and uh, all these athletes she was saying that essentially you, you can't, because of the way the system's set up, as a sponsored athlete, your your sponsorship payments reduce when you're pregnant so um yeah and that that's apparently she she's mentioned this, but apparently now that is just common across and, and to a certain extent, I guess as a an athlete and as an influencer or as, you're, you're essentially a freelancer, aren't you?
0: yeah yeah absolutely that's it
1: you're not yeah you're not employed by anyone and so so there's a whole controversy now where it's hard to know i mean you can see both sides and you know as a freelancer if you if you can if you think of them as freelancers then it's like well yeah that's tough but you you are in an industry as a freelancer but then it's whether you see whether nike should be sponsoring people as employees you know are they employees essentially Ooh, that's really interesting.
0: I don't know, it's one of those areas that how do you how do you do, you know, as a yeah, like you say as a freelancer, you meet all the costs of of that.
2: Um oh. see so yeah. the thing is
0: in that situation, so like if a freelancer you get ill and stuff like that and it stops you from working, you can you can get insurance against that. I'm not sure you can get insurance against being pregnant stopping you working would, but maybe you can i don't
1: know i don't know what would how, what would be the way to deal with that i mean i i don't know if i, I don't, well i mean i can ask claire because she's in the insurance world but i don't know if you you're almost i can't imagine a company doing that just because you'd only take out that insurance if you're intending on getting pregnant <laughs> yeah, Exactly, <laughs> and therefore milking the insurance policy so yeah, yeah
0: exactly it'll no, be one no, of those got, policies is, where yeah. What's the, how, how do you get around
1: that? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one where they've, oh, well, I, I do think it's, I, I do think athletes should be, able, you know, should have the ability to become mothers and um, that are we saying that, because essentially the years in which you're an athlete are the years in which you can birth a child. So are we are we saying that those women do have a choice, one or the other? Because um, that is pretty bad if if that's the way you know if, that, if that's what it's making people decide to do. Um, but then, is it the athlete's responsibility to save up enough money to ensure themselves to do that, or is that the the brand? Because actually. Nike is sponsoring them, but it's not as if they are employing them. And so is it Nike's responsibility to say we're going to change our our, um, our way of sponsoring athletes to make them full-time employees so that they can then go on maternity leave? Oh, that's a weird one. Yeah, it's really tough. And well, you know, Cliff Bar sponsored me and I've I haven't done a race, a proper race in a year because of Shh, don't I'm, tell
2: them
1: Because bloody pregnant. injuries and niggles and stuff. And um, you know, they've it's not like they give me money or anything, they give me amazing margarita shot blocks, but um but still, you know, that's that's something where it's not that they couldn't be getting pregnant, but if if I broke my leg, would would Cliff Bar want to sponsor me next year? I think they would because of the podcast, but if, I, if they were racing me for my performance, probably not. And so are we saying that sponsorship contracts have to then be employment contracts? And are you then employed f- on a full-time basis? Oh, that's weird. I don't know.
0: Do, would anyone want an employment contract? I think so. Would you yeah, want I mean, to? Be, no, because if you – no, but then how does it – mm. How did it work? So, how did it work with um, someone like Venus Williams, who had a child and then came back?
1: I mean, for someone like Venus Williams, it probably doesn't matter too much because she's got, you know, she's got so much, so many funds from wins. And but do you also... think they even did
0: it with her, or do they think just you know the fact that? I don't they, know is, is that is that like standing across it, or does it just mean that if you don't have a bigger profile, you're subject to this? But someone like Venus Williams.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. It might be the profile that's the issue because I can't imagine that Nike were prepared to release her during the time that she was pregnant. So I'd imagine they would... And also, to a certain extent, someone like um, Serena is um, is still used in their marketing and is still selling Nike trainers, even if she's not playing tennis. Um whereas if you're someone who's there just for your results it's slightly different so um so what do you think do about let us know your thoughts because um well it's a really tough one actually and yes something needs to change but i don't know i can't really see a way through it that actually seems to make sense in terms of contract law and um and also is good for the for the athletes so uh but on to our next guest of onto the guest in fact <laughs> uh, yeah. how many guests have we got how many guests we got yeah am i a guest are you the guest absolutely we're, we're guessing at the number of guests <laughs> so do badders we've got a treat for you we often ask you to suggest our next uh, next guest and i think pete faulkner suggested cory going onto the internet and just discovering cory's background was fascinating we're reaching an olive branch over to the states and we have brought Corey on for a few reasons one of them because he often runs in just speedos at a crop top. Um, one of them is because he is one of the most um, culturally diverse runners there are, but mainly because there's a good news story on tonight's podcast. He used to be a triathlete, and he's now converted into ultra running. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Corey Waltering. Hey. Hey. How are you good? good.
2: Yeah, I'm great. How are you guys? Great, thank you
1: yeah really good really good so i've I've read a few of your interviews and one of the things you said is how people seem to be prejudiced against midwest trail runners um so we 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 don't really know enough about Americans (laughs) because we think we thought boulder was like midwest which is you know one of the 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 trail meccas of the world but um yeah tell it tell us about where is midwest (laughs)
2: Yeah, so like Boulder would actually be more like the West rather than the Midwest. Um, so like when I think of the Midwest, I think of like Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, um, maybe a little bit of Tennessee, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and Minnesota. Um, so we are basically just kind of like in the middle of the country, maybe a little bit more towards the East. Um, but yeah, just Northern and wet. Yeah, kind of west, I guess.
1: <laughs> I see Tennessee as because of Barkley Marathons, it seems like they must have some epic trails there.
2: Yeah, and so Tennessee. I mean, some people would say it's Midwest. Some people would say it's like the South. Um, and so I don't know. It's you can get pretty easily to Tennessee from Illinois, um, so that's why I think of it as kind of being. A little bit of both i guess um but yeah the trails there seem just epic um and obviously they have to be if Barclay's is so tough so and is the middle of
1: america generally pretty flat is, is that why people do you think have a, a, a skepticism about the the running community there
2: yeah so we i live in a very flat area um extremely flat um but then if you go to like the upper midwest so like michigan or minnesota They have some really technical trails that have some uh, pretty decent elevation gain for ultras up there. And is this something you actually experience, then, when you kind of tell people where you're from? Do you get a a reaction from them that surprises them? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, like, when I tell people I'm from Illinois, they're always like, oh, why are you there? Do you even have trails? And, like, we have have trails. They're just most of them are flat. Um, Although there is there are a couple of parks that are maybe ninety minutes from my house that you can get, I want to say you can get four thousand feet of elevation gain in twenty miles. So um, we do have hills; they're just not big.
1: Yeah, it's strange actually the way trail running, more so than running in general, does seem to be obsessed with climbing and ascents and descents, um, whereas shorter distances, it's all about the speed.
2: Yeah. So like, that's great. So like we have the Chicago marathon here, which is great. It's an extremely flat marathon. It's usually fast unless it's hot. Um, but yeah, like, so there's that. Or if you want, you could go out to like maybe California and do some of like the hillier marathons and stuff like that. But I mean, we're just, we have great road races here.
1: So in, in terms of, um, so coming back to your your journey into running, then not coming back, going going back to your journey into running. So, um, what what brought you into running then? From because you used to be a triathlete, I believe.
2: Yeah, um but even before that, I mean, I played soccer in high school, um, ran track and cross country, swam for the high school and the YMCA swim teams. um So I've always been very active in kind of like endurance sports. Um, and I started out on the trail, not the trail. I started out on the track as like a 200, 400, 800 meter runner. Um, and then that worked really well for, you know, training for soccer. Um, and then it just kind of, I've started running cross country in in high school, I guess it was that I started cross country. Um, and it's funny because I absolutely hated cross country. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. Like, you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was, I was decent at it, but I wasn't great at it, and, like, I just really didn't enjoy it. I much rather would have been on the track, um, and so now it's really funny when I look back on that, um, but yeah, so I swam and ran all through high school, and then in college, um, I was still running the 400 meters, 800 meters, 1,500 meters, um, and then I kept getting injured, so I started cycling a little bit, and I was still swimming. And then triathlon just kind of became the natural progression.
1: And so how did you then, why did you turn away from that? Because triathlon does seem to suck people in and then become a a lifelong obsession until people people are are married off or injured out.
2: Yeah, um, so it's kind of funny because I... Was living in Illinois at the time when I started triathlon and stuff because I also went to school in Illinois. Um, and then I moved out to Boulder wanting to become a professional triathlete because um, I qualified for worlds twice for the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, like maybe I'll try to become a professional triathlete. Um, and I just I had no idea what trail running was. like I'd never even really heard of it, and I didn't know people did it. Uh, but one of my friends out there is like, "Hey, you know, like I need a pacer for the Leadville 100. Would you be interested in this? I was like, um, I don't really know what that means. I don't know what it means to crew. I don't know what it means to pace, but um, sure, like'll I can do that. So he took me out on a trail run. And I was like, oh, like people actually do this like for fun. And I was like, this is way more fun than triathlon. Um, so I basically just quit um, triathlon after my second trip to Worlds and started trail running.
1: Amazing. So, so at that time, were you thinking that because if you had had ambitions to be professional in, in trying, were you thinking you could potentially be professional in trail running then?
2: Um. It was kind of in the back of my head, but I didn't really think it was going to happen because, I mean, I was so new to the sport um, and like I hadn't even run a marathon yet. Um, And so at that point, it was like, I don't know, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but okay.
1: And so what was your kind of what was it about the the sport that you found? You said it was really fun. Is it the actual act of running on the trails that you enjoyed or did you get a different sense of community from it as well?
2: Um, both like being out on the trails is fun because you can just really kind of go explore. Um, and you never really know what you're going to see. I mean, you can see wildlife out there where you can see some epic sunsets or sunrises or just all of the trails are different. Whereas on the road, I just felt like I was running like the same routes all the time and I'd go back to the same races, but it's like, okay, like how many times do I really want to run the same road loop? Um, or when I was training on the bike, it was like, okay, like, here's what I'm doing for this ride again. I've done this one. I'm going to go do it again. Um, and then the same thing with community. Like I felt like it was a lot more, um, relaxed and just kind of fun. Um, and it really has been fun
0: just to get just to get an indication for for people who are outside the use in terms of what the the sort of trail running scene looks like whenever we hear about trail running um it's always in terms of trail ultras like if it's always a hundred miles or or mm. something crazy like that is it i mean is the scene just as big in terms of shorter distances and or, or do they tend to be epic epic long distances that uh, that, that draw people
2: um so I believe we have. 160 um, 100 mile races in the United States. Um, mm. And so we have a lot. Um, but for every 100 mile race that we have, I'm going to say we probably have at least three 50 or 80 kilometer races. Um, so, I mean, you can pretty much find a race any weekend of, well, not of the year, but most, yeah. uh, most weekends. I guess, well, I guess we do have winter ultras here in the Midwest also. Um, so, yeah um it's i don't know i guess the dr- like one of the big draws would be like hard rock or western states or leadville um but at the same time uh like way too cool um draws you know like 600 or 800 people or whatever for like the first kind of like spring 50k of the year and um um in minnesota they have a couple of races that draw over a thousand people as well and so um that aren't hundred mile races but the are other are
1: half marathons 10ks in the same way
2: um yeah, probably not um it's usually more of an ultra thing when it comes to the trail um but when it comes to roads i mean you can find a road 5k or 10k or half marathon like any weekend of the year pretty Cause, much anywhere
0: because that's the thing i was when I, I, i've been over to the u.s a few times and i was looking for races to do at the same time and actually finding like shorter sort of trail races seem to be a really a real difficulty everything was on the road even like uh, this was like in california but even like you know like redwood races and stuff like that they were all on the road um when you think oh it would, it would it would go through trails or something like that so um it's just it's just it must must be quite a step up but I, the whole idea of having trail races which aren't hilly because like you say it's so there seems to be this obsession that it's always about ascent and descent and actually you know a lot of the trails just be able to run sort of a little bit faster must make a massive difference
2: yeah um it's it i mean at the at the end of the day i mean the training is all kind of the same in terms of like the amount of volume you do yeah um but you know when you're training for some of these flatter midwestern races like you really have to train more of like a marathoner almost at times than you would say if you're focusing on like a mountain ultra um so like tunnel hill is one of the races that um i've run really well at but it was always after i've run a fall marathon and then i just kind of extend my fitness out to go run the 80 kilometer race um and it's flat um whereas you can also kind of like train like a marathoner and then get that speed and then if you're going out to say california for like the north face 50 that happens every Uh, I guess it's in November. Um, That's another race. I mean, it's a lot of climbing, but it's all, like, really smooth trail. Um, So you still really have to have that speed, whereas compared to, like, the East Coast, it's a lot of more, like, technical-type running.
1: I said because... a lot of a lot of our group, a lot of the do batters, say we use races, kind of shorter races, as their training runs for their bigger races because it just means they actually, you know, get out of bed early. It's a bit more of a community. But it, it sounds as if that's and you can't really do that in the states in the same way because your every single race is over fifty k.
2: Um. Yeah. But I mean, some people use a fifty k for an eighty kilometer race. You know, mm. uh, some people use um 80 kilometers as a tune-up for you know a hundred mile race. Um, so you can you can do it. Um, and a lot of the races will maybe not a lot, but some of the races will also have like a 25 kilometer race. They'll have like a 50k and a 25k. Um, but 25k is not, not really that common here either. Because that that's be be really interesting
1: to compare whether that has an impact on who comes into the sport because if if running if road running only started at a marathon if you took out the charity angle i don't think many people would actually get into into road running at all so um do do you think that do people tend to be fitter and faster then who are the ultra runners versus the standard road runners
2: um not necessarily um I think that people just kind of decide that they want to go run a trail ultra and they start training for it and, um, just get out and go do it. Um, I don't know. Cause I mean, a lot of our marathons here are also rather large. Um, mm-hmm. so like Chicago has 45,000 people. Um, but then you also have, you know, the marathons that have 500 people. Um, but it's still just, it's kind of neat to see it actually just to, um, to experience something like that big and then something that small. But when you think of a small road race being like 500 people in a marathon, that's still bigger than a lot of the ultras.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I suppose yeah, that I must mean... be, that must feel very different
0: to doing sort of triathlon, especially, you know, getting punched in the face when you're, when you're trying to swim and it being not so close, it must be quite nice to kind of like breathe as uh, and, and sort of open up.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So did, when did you start um, wearing the Speedos then? Was that just because you hadn't bought any running kit? Uh,
2: so I wore the Speedo for um, triathlon races also, um, which just because it made sense. Um, but then so my first time wearing it in like just a running race was as doing a 50K down in Florida. And I just forgot my running shorts. Um, <laughs> but i but i had the speedo and they're just like oh yeah just wear a speedo it'll be fine and i mean it was like 110 degrees that day or something so it was actually pr- rather comfortable um but everyone like saw the pictures on facebook afterward and they're like oh what's this like that's actually kind of cool you know and stuff and and so then it just kind of stuck so i've been doing that ever since so do you then what do you do
1: with your gels and things like that we always have a, a running back
2: um, yeah, sometimes I'll wear a pack, sometimes I'll wear a waist pack, and then sometimes I'll just stuff them in the speedo. Um, yeah, and, and does that present a unique set of
1: uh, issues? We say with rubbing and uh, chafing and things like that, or is it is it all
2: right? No, so I always wear two. Um, so like I'll <laughs> have that like extra layer there. So it's like it's like one giant pocket um, basically. Um, but yeah, you know just. Um, I really don't have any chafing issues, and um, I can usually hold all the gear I need to. I'm not sure how
1: I'd feel, actually, if I was if I was in a race with someone, and I was just off their shoulder, and then just had their their near naked buttocks <laughs> winking at me the whole race. I think it would put you off your game, wouldn't it? It's quite a good it would put, race. Put you strategy. off, or it might it might help you keep up. You never know. <laughs> that is, I mean, I'm not passing judgment on your, uh, on your
2: buttocks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so as i mean have have generally people responded well to it then or have there been any controversies or um people
0: yeah what what kind of sense of humor do race directors have about it yeah
2: oh oh, the race directors love it um yeah like there really hasn't been anything funny like i don't know people just we make jokes about it all the time because like I said in, like, a past interview about Western states or something, I'm like, yeah, you know, I was coming through this aid station. I didn't know what I wanted, so I was just grabbing things and throwing it in the Speedo. I had, like, a <laughs> turkey sandwich and watermelon in there and just <laughs> – and so we just make jokes about it, and it's fun, but, I mean, it works. Well, I think, especially if you're on the aid
1: station, they might not know that you've got two layers of Speedos.
2: Yeah exactly so they just see me like <laughs> shoving food in there and they're like oh huh, that's weird and like I'm like now i have two on
0: <laughs> and i Especially mean, if, if, you you ever... you offer, if you're offering food to other runners pulling them out this speedo <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. do you know what i'll i'll leave it thanks <laughs>
1: <laughs> and has it led to any um malfunctions shall we say or kind of reaching for the wrong for the wrong thing
2: um <laughs> no not yet <laughs> But you never know. Um, It's also really funny to see people's faces on, like, uh, the really hot races when I'll be putting ice in my Speedo. Because they're just like, oh, that has to be so cold. There are two layers. It's okay. Like, it's cold, but it's not that cold. But, yeah.
1: (laughs) So, um, we, on the podcast, we've talked about, you know, you're you're probably aware looking at the videos, we are two fairly middle class white dudes. um, So, the least... Uh, culturally diverse podcast that probably is out there. Um, we've discussed <laughs> in the past about how, just, just how white running is in the UK, like long distance running in general. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is, is that something, would you say it's, it's fairly similar in the States?
2: Um, yeah, it's very similar, I'd say. Um, just it's not necessarily the most diverse sport um, yet. And I mean, that could change. Um, but right now it 's definitely uh very white and so have you, do you, from from
1: your point of view then, have you seen it because you're you know you 're also gay as well, which is is something which actually I, th- I think in the u k no one really cares about that much, but probably in the u s is a little bit more controversial depending where you are um, have you Have you found the community very welcoming towards you then or have you felt it quite hard to actually um, embrace it as such?
2: Yeah, so, like, I feel like the community has been very open and welcoming. Um, And so I kind of go back to some of the same races every year and then throw in a few different ones. I've gotten to know, you know, quite a few people quite well um, just over the years of racing. And um, even from the first day of, like, me wearing the Speedo or whatever, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, at first I just thought it was, like, some kid that was here, you know, trying to make a joke or something. But they're like, it's kind of hard to joke about it when you win. And so, um, and so um, like, other than that, um, there really hasn't been an issue about, like, being black or gay. Um, and so I think that it's kind of a it's it's been a good thing for me anyway. Um, but then, you know, you can also, like, go on the message boards like the trail and ultra facebook group or whatever and then everyone's while you can just see that um maybe it's not necessarily as open and as welcoming as we would think is
1: and and do you think um i mean have you noticed by you winning races that that has had a knock-on effect on are you seeing more culturally diverse uh, people culturally diverse backgrounds coming into the sport
2: yeah. Um, so, like, I always tell people, like, if you're looking to get into, into the sport and you just don't know how or you're not sure of what to do or whatever, I'm like, you can always, you know, send me a message on Facebook or send me a message on Instagram because I read them, I respond to them. Um, and I just get messages from people saying, like, thank you for just you being you and just living your life how you do it. Um, and then they're like, you know, it's always comforting to see, like, another person that's like me out there on the trail. And like, oh, that's really cool. Like, yeah. Like, also, thank you for being out there. Um, but it's. I think it's going to take some time to really um, kind of change the sport. But um, I think it will happen. Do you, one. Th- one thing we've discussed
0: in the past with them um, uh, with with other guests is like when um, sometimes you, you know, do you feel the pressure because you do you you are sort of like visibly so different from everyone else there and so you what you are you know almost like people feel as though you are going to be a person that other people look up to do you ever feel that pressure as being you know someone like almost being someone who inspires other people because you are because you're bringing diversity into a sport that that wasn't there does that ever did you ever have that pressure or do you ever think about that you know when when you're doing this does it add anything to, to, to what you're doing?
2: Um, like I said, I think it's important, but I don't really feel the pressure to do it um, because, like, when I got into the sport, like, I really just got into the sport because I was curious about it. And, um, and then I thought it was fun. And then I didn't really know, like, where it would go from there. But now here we are. And that's awesome. But um, I just don't think of it as pressure. Um, I just think of it as, you know, I'm going to keep on doing what I do and just try to help bring more people into the sport or at least um, give them um, an avenue to get into the sport.
1: Because something we've, we've, um, we've never been really sure which side to, to sit on is whether the sport in general kind of almost has a responsibility to try and encourage as many people from all backgrounds to take part or whether… It should just be there to allow anyone to take part should they want to. And do you, do you think that this, the community should be almost actively trying to engage a wider pool of people? Or do, or do you think that falls on the individual?
2: Um, I think it's uh, kind of both, um, because, like, you know, as long as the community is open and welcoming to all people, then, you know, that's that i mean that's a great thing but you also have to like the person actually has to want to do it but if they don't know about the sport then how are they going to want to do it if they've never heard of it um so like if i had never moved to boulder i don't know that i'd be trail running right now i think i'd Mm -hmm. still be doing triathlon stuff probably um maybe not i don't know um but it was just one of those things where it's like i just never really knew anything about trail running so i guess it's kind of like the person has to want to do it but they also have to know that it's there
0: yeah yeah Yeah, that's it absolutely
1: and and do you do you think that is is that something that sponsors should be looking to do or like how, how do you think the best way to try and and find these audiences because um we're all in our own little bubbles to a certain extent
2: yeah. So one great thing would be like, you know, if sponsors like, well, they can sponsor just athletes that don't all look the same. Um, so that's one way that you can do it. But then have the athletes go out into the communities that they're going to either be racing in or set something up, even in like they're own hometown or home area where you can work with like local running clubs to advertise, you know, like, this person's going to be there and we're going to do a free trail clinic or we're going to do a shoe demo or we're going to do this, that, and the other thing and just be like, hey, this is open to all. Um, but by doing that, you can also advertise it in the running shops. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on Instagram, Twitter, all the different things to really get the word out there.
1: Yeah, because it's... Yeah it's just like the it's the one thing that I actually find because where my local running club is is very very um undiverse really in fact they all are in London and uh, but then actually it does see the new wave if you if you go to the the younger people who are in not clubs themselves but actually in the um in the crews things like run them crew or midnight runners it does seem to be um driven more through instagram which is then actually driven not necessarily through just your your own personal network but kind of that broader experience so i'm hoping that the next generation for the next 10 years we're going to see all these people who hopefully will join running clubs potentially um having come through it through another avenue and then really try and you know diversify everything um
0: i think the other other thing about about things like ultras and trail running is that it's not because we're inside it it feels as though it's mainstream and everywhere and yet it's Mm. it's not it's not really the mainstream public still is still something that they're they're not entirely um you know it still surprises me when i surprise people by telling about things that i do or i've done and so you know you think, "Oh, everyone knows about all these things already, mm-hmm. and so there's there's not much else to do, but actually yeah there there, there is a job to do in terms of actually uh, promoting the sport and and getting more people to to come into it, and that may be like you say through 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 different ways of doing it yeah'
1: yeah. And, and do you feel that responsibility yourself then? That you, do you feel that you have to be this um, example to take out and to, to try and bring new people into the sport? And, and if so, does that get in the way of, of you just doing the sport itself?
2: Well, like I, I love training, but I also love doing just the social events and just being at events and um, being around people and doing things. Uh, it's really funny because I like to think of myself as like an extremely extroverted introvert um, because I can be quite shy at first, and then like once you get to know me, I just don't shut up. Um, and so it's uh, it's pretty funny. Um, so this year I've gotten I've been able to do a lot more like media events and stuff like that. And it's been really fun. Um, but I don't ever feel like it gets in the way of just being able to train and do the job and uh, be able to race and race well.
1: And, and so where, where are you looking to kind of take your running career in the near future then? What, what's on the horizons for you?
2: Um, so coming up, um, I'm doing like all three races at the Broken Arrow Sky Race um so the vertical kilometer the 52k and the 26 kilometer over three days um and that will be fun just because it's a different type of style of racing than i'd normally do um but i'm actually starting to get into adventure racing a little bit as well so i have a 30 hour adventure race and a 48 hour adventure race coming up this summer um which i am extremely excited for those um and then i have leadville also so i'm going to do the hundred there but um, yeah, just I'm kind of branching out a little bit from just running. Um, but yeah, I don't
1: know. And I, I think actually, once you get into ultras as well, you cross training is is quite common, and also you just want to do cool things. It's kind of that mentality that got you into ultras to start with. As people, I think. But um, yeah, So do. And, and do you think having? I mean, we've we've touched on briefly that the the run the runs do tend to be longer Um, do you think that is an obstacle into getting people into ultra running and and trail running and and if we were say in in the bigger cities like you know new york and and the places that aren't really associated with the culture if if we could create 10k trail runs like intros half marathons do you think that would change the access for people into the sport
2: Yeah. And so luckily, like the North Face, we put on the endurance challenge series um, and we have five, six races stateside. And then we have um, some in South America and then some in um, the Asian market. And we do a 80 kilometer, 50 kilometer marathon on the first day. And then the second day, there is a uh, half marathon, 10K and 5K. Um, and so those are races that are usually closer to like bigger cities, um, that really offer an opportunity to get out and explore the trails there. Um, but it doesn't have to be an ultra. Um, so that's great. And then, um, XTERRA also has a run series and most of their races are sub ultra distance. So I think, um, I think they're usually like half marathon and below. Um, so that's also a great way that you can kind of get into it without having to jump straight into an ultra
1: yeah i think that's really gonna because if you're asking someone as the first race to be a 50k um <laughs> it's pretty ballsy isn't it
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah
1: and so with your um your ultra race so your your adventure races they're kind of 24 hour 48 hour what's the main difference then between those and, and ultras is that cycling element as well is it navigation or
2: yeah so they include cycling navigation um rappelling rock climbing paddling um orienteering so yeah it's uh it's gonna be a fun summer
1: that does sound very cool and has has your training been um fairly similar to ultras have you had to try and um learn new skills
2: yeah i've definitely been working on a few new skills um and then kind of brushing up on some old things that i've had a little bit of experience in without much, um, but then like orienteering is just gonna be like that's what's gonna get me um, because, like, if I, I'm just horrible with directions, so <laughs> so uh, I feel like I'm probably gonna get lost out there, but I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that the hard thing is when you combine that with time as well because I feel I can navigate okay, but actually, I even though I know the rules, I still make so many mistakes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, so that will, uh, that will it will be interesting. Um, <laughs> but the cool thing is uh, you do them in teams of four. Um, so I actually have a team of all African-Americans that are going to be racing these different races with me. Uh, so it's pretty exciting.
1: Are you going to be in Speed As the whole team? <laughs>
2: uh, I will be in one. The rest will not. <laughs> <laughs> did,
1: did you insist? And they were like, no.
2: No, uh, no, I didn't even ask him. I was just like, "Yeah, but I'm going to do it." And so "I mean, <laughs> I have to." So it's, it's what I do. <laughs> how yeah.
0: is that? Just just in terms, of what I'm interested in is um, like you were just talking about training there. When with the the amount of um, races that are available, and everything, What what does your sort of your normal like uh, trail um, training regime look like from on a sort of a week by week basis? So we asked this to all, all our guests. It's just really interesting to to, to see you know what how because you said that. When you were, you know, some of the flatter um, uh, ultras and trails, it's just like marathon training. So is
2: is that what your training kind of looks like normally? Um, A little bit. So I actually just switched coaches like two months ago. Um, so training has been a little bit different. Um, but I also was on like this really long stretch of like races where I didn't really have time to train between the races. So I was just kind of doing easy runs to to maintain fitness, uh, between racing. And, um, and then I took a couple of weeks off just cause I didn't feel like racing. So now like I'm fully back in, uh, back into training. And so I'll go usually maybe 12 days or so like in a row and then have a day off. Um, and I'm running, uh, I don't know, 85 to a hundred miles a week or so. Um, one run a day, um, just a lot of pretty easy miles. And then, um, I've actually been doing a lot of like short intervals, just trying to get some leg speed back. And, um, it also kind of helps with like climbing a little bit. So, um, yeah, but I don't know, my training is very, it's kind of boring. Well, I shouldn't say it's boring. It it looks boring. (laughs) It looks boring on paper, but training is actually really fun.
1: And have you are you now full time as, as an athlete then has, has that allowed you to do those mileage
2: yeah um and I was always kind of doing it though because even when I was like going to school um, I was still training for you know triathlons, and at that point I was swimming twenty thousand yards a week I was running thirty miles a week and then I was cycling uh about eight to ten hours a week um And so like, I've always kind of been able to handle the higher mileage, but now I'd say that I definitely recover better from, uh, longer and harder efforts.
1: And do you think your triathlon and Ironman experience has, has helped with your training now, or is it, um, is it very different?
2: Um, it's quite a bit different, but I will say that just the overall like volume of stuff is about the same. Well, it's actually, I guess triathlon would have been a little bit more, but, um, It just allowed me to know, like, this is how your body's probably going to feel when you're doing a long run at the end of the week and you've already been exercising for X amount of hours for the week. And it also kind of gave me an opportunity to practice, like, fueling. So, like, on the bike, you still had to eat on the bike Mm because, I mean, you know— You're out there for a long time. Well, I guess it's not that long, but it's long enough. And so because of that, you had to get used to all of that and then still being able to eat while you're running, say, the half marathon after you've been out there for three and a half hours or whatever. So um, I do feel like the triathlon kind of helped make the transition easier than if I would have been going straight from like a track background to um, um, road and then uh, trail, I guess. Uh, Because I only ran one road marathon before my first 50K, um, and they were only like uh, maybe six weeks apart, eight weeks apart, Um, and I enjoyed both.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right with the, the fueling as well. I mean, it's so – we we've, we've been talking before, as the build-up to the interview about um, Fondamita, runner Christina Hurugu, and it's something she'd never have to ever consider. She needs to fuel well for her life, but um, it's very different to actually getting used to what your stomach can handle, um, particularly that amount of time. And and do you, do you have a preference for your kind of nutrition on trail and for your longer races?
2: Yeah, so I use um, spring energy. Um, and cause I, I like, um, basically whole food, um, just, you know, like I want to eat real food. So like spring energy uses real ingredients and it's either, you know, some sort of nut based or it's rice based with a different, like berry flavor in it. So I like that because it feels like I'm actually eating something. Um, but it's still, you know, basically like in gel form. Um, but then, um, when I come into an aid station, um, I'll still usually eat, like, a banana or some watermelon or some strawberries um, or potatoes.
1: Uh, okay, so you – and and uh, the, I guess the, the aid stations are good enough to have mostly real foods on the courses And
2: Yeah, so in the States, we uh, – our aid stations are like a giant buffet. Um, <laughs> so, um, some of the other places I've been – the aid stations have been – a lot less than that and um so it's just um you have to figure out what you want to carry with you and what you're going to hope they have on course
1: and do you do you ever find that that is your limit is it because of your shorts or too? you you'd have enough pockets that do you get things mushed together that you think oh that combination of food probably wasn't what i'd be after
2: <laughs> well usually i'm just sticking gels in my shorts so it's okay um but it's funny because um i wore shorts in like I don't know, it was some race that I was at, and I was like, you know, it's just cold enough that I didn't really feel like wearing the Speedo that day. And I was like, I'm just going to wear shorts. And then I realized that my shorts have pockets like all the way around the waistband. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this is how people can race without <laughs> having to wear a vest because they have all of these pockets here on their shorts. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But yeah, um, so it was, it was just one of those funny like, oh, it is actually practical to wear like running shorts. Yeah. Why doesn't everyone run like this? Normally, why doesn't
0: everyone <laughs> run in speedos all the time? It's so, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Amazing. Well, um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is there, uh, anything you wanted to, anything you want to cover as well, JD No, no, I just,
0: uh, I, I wonder, actually, I wanted to ask you that whether, um, it ever gets boring or annoying that, um, you know, if, if, you know, podcasters like ourselves are interviewing it we always come back to the issue of you know um how does it feel to basically represent you know someone (laughs) because I imagine that's like the question that you must just get fed up with being asked rather than you know talking about the running
2: no so it it doesn't bother me at all and I mean you know one way to get more exposure exposure is just to talk about it so I mean I'm always happy to talk about it um it's just it's funny because that is like the question that always comes up, like, even if it's not until the very end of the interview, like, they'll <laughs> still sneak it in. Like, it's cool. Like you could have just you could have opened with it. And like, it wouldn't bother me. Um, but no, um, I do. I do just think it's important to just keep talking about it. And hopefully, you know, someone will see it online and be inspired by it and say, hey, you know, like, let's go for a run sometime. Yeah,
1: and do you think there's a worry that um, you know if there are any black males out there looking at you think I don't want to wear speedos, and apparently that's the only way we're allowed to be able to run with white
2: people? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, see that's that's another funny thing <laughs> because. I, I, um, so <laughs> luckily, like all my <laughs> my race photos are always in the speedo, but like any of the other like social stuff that I'm doing, I'm always wearing shorts. So <laughs> hopefully, when people see me, they normally see me in shorts for like interviews and the social <laughs> group runs and when I'm out training <laughs> and all of that. But um, no, it is just one of those things where I've kind of thought about that as well. And like, <laughs> like. Maybe I should do some races in shorts so that we get some actual race photos of me in shorts that people can also use. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you saying you're not wearing the Speedos now? No. I, oh, no. Like, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it <David, laughs> especially for you. I feel, I
1: feel like I've wasted these now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where... Um, like I just wouldn't be comfortable wearing like basketball shorts, well, not basketball shorts, but like raw, long running shorts, like three inches, like inseam is about like as long as I will wear when I'm training even. And some people are, if those are still short, I'm like, ah, they're not that <laughs> short, but I mean, I do also come from a track and field background or, you know, our shorts are like a half inch inseam shorts. Um, yeah. Short,
1: so indeed, yeah. yeah. But, well, yeah. well, well well, thank you so much for coming on the party if, if people would like to follow your races to see the glory of you in your short shorts um what's the best way for them to to follow you
2: yeah instagram uh cory woltering on instagram or you can add me on facebook whatever like yeah doesn't either or
1: brilliant well um thank you so much for coming on the potty uh, I wish you all the best with those adventure races they sound pretty epic and if you ever make it to the UK um, as long as it's not winter give us a shout and we'll come out and we'll wear speedos with you
2: <laughs> awesome brilliant thanks Corey thanks Corey alright yeah thank you Ah. Oh. I don't know. Sure. I'm, t- I'm,
0: tem- I'm tempted. To- no, actually, I said I'm tempted to wear Speedos. I'm not going to wear Speedos when I'm running. That's I just gonna... love
1: the fact that he wears two pairs of Speedos, which it's almost it's against the point of wearing one pair of Speedos. Like...
0: <laughs> it's like I'm going for the Speedos, but I realise that they're impractical, so I need a second pair.
1: I mean, that must feel quite restrictive to have because they're quite tight anyway. So to have a double layer on, I'm worried about the circulation. I don't know when was the last time you wore speedos. That's a good point, actually. I must probably before my teenage years,
0: I'd I say. Don't, yeah, I don't. I the only time you ever have to wear speedos as an English person is you end up on a French campsite and they insist upon it if you want to go in the pool, <laughs> which is a bizarre rule.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it's their way of humiliating it. <laughs> no, it's their way I'll, of humiliating on it um yeah interesting um i don't, i felt i i didn't think i was a very good interviewer in that one i don't i, I don't know whether i was feeling the I, pressure of wording things the right way or just um ah i feel like I, it just I, the, wasn't the thing is i always think this is this
0: is difficult for us as white middle class males but <laughs> um but but it is the thing isn't it is that
1: we we've got the struggle
0: we, we're the, yeah, we've got the struggle. but we like, <laughs> it's, it's as though like we just don't know we don't know like what the obstacles are. It's like when, you know, when like the whole Me Too movement came out and women, you know, were saying that there they've been subjected to all this. It's like like most men want, went what? We, you know, yeah. literally, we had like no idea all this was going on. Um, yeah, like, we're just you're completely like- ignorant because it's not part of our lives. And and so and and so it, it, it you know, when you when you ask questions about diversity and about inclusion, it's like I, you know, for for us, we look at the ultra community and we think it's really inclusive but is it how do we know like we've seen it from our perspective we can't step outside our perspective and see it um yeah. it, you know are there obstacles there that we don't see and you know and he and was absolutely right to point out you know that actually um like lack of information about it lack of um you know races i, I had that inkling about um uh, distances that I, I i've never been able to find like a sort of a shorter distance uh, trail race or anything because they, it always always tends to be like really real longer ones but actually you know that is probably you know a huge barrier to 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 more people coming yeah. into the
1: sport. I mean that's it's strange as well isn't it because that's that isn't a, a cult, you know a diversity barrier that's just a barrier in general to yeah. say yeah. if you want to run trail you've got to do more than a marathon you're like what why and especially as i mean you've got to do mar- you- yeah
0: yeah not just to run a marathon we've got to do it on this ridiculous uh in this ridiculous terrain a ridiculous hill because we only consider proper ultras to be mountainous
1: yeah because and that's the thing like some if you if you do something like the Red Bull 400 400 meters up a ski jump it's so so hard to do and if you were to do a 5k uh, I mean, it'd be hard.
0: Imagine but, that going. Yeah, I want to run a five k. Go, okay. We'll pick the five k you're going to run as your first five k. And then you, <laughs> you, you, you give them
1: the <laughs> Yeah, give. Yeah, but that's the thing. If you like the the notion that a trail run can't be amazing or can't be in, can't be hard if it's not fifty k or more, it's crazy because a five run five k trail can be incredibly tough. If you're trying to go up and down at those speeds, I mean, that is proper technical running, you know, 10Ks, half marathons. So, um, yeah, it's a shame, actually. And, 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 and if, if I guess what he's saying, uh, as he was saying, it's, it's just the information getting out there. But if you're from a part of society that is less likely to hear about these runs anyway and less likely to to hear stories that excite you about them. If the fact that the first one has to be 50k, that is going to be a massive obstacle where if the first one you could do is 10k, then it, it would mean that that people who would be less likely to hear about the wonders of this amazing um, experience that we have as the ultra runners would actually discover it by just doing that short run first.
0: Because the other thing to remember about America is that they don't have like the sort of the footpath and trail network that we have in the same way that you can't you know you can step out here and I can run over some farmer's land well not yeah because there's a footpath that allows me to do that Mm. that's that that doesn't happen in America you you yeah you're on you're on you're in like not necessarily national parks but you've got to go onto land that there are you know that, that it has public access um that allows you to do that whereas we've had a system whereby you know those footpaths have are ancient that there's no yeah. no and they take precedence over over uh personal property private property and so we've got you know we have a lot of those built in and it's the same in europe as well you have you know footpaths trails bridleways all those things built in that you can step out the door and you, you'll you find something yeah. somewhere and no matter where you are in you know in central london you
1: can find you know those kind of footpaths that that, that allow you to do that um but you just maybe that's why fkts makes sense in america yeah that yeah, does make – because sense. if there are so, so so few routes, then it's understandable that the fastest time for each route is a fairly significant deal, whereas that's what we struggled with getting our head around. is like, well, what is an FKT given that there's millions of miles of paths you can run in the UK? So why is it we're suddenly saying any route you run the quickest is important? But it, it does make sense when there's only maybe four or five known routes in a state, or for example, Hong Kong, when John was saying last week about you've got the nine dragons, there's nine kind of well-known routes, and so it does make sense that those would build up a reputation and and get that um, that leaderboard of times. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've, I know how to kind of diversify sport in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I think we're the wrong people to be we're talking. We're the wrong yeah. people to and reach the, out. Are we. The thing is, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's like. Um, so because this is like an education process for us as well an education yeah. you know the, we're talking about this because you know we literally i mean it really i mean it's not necessarily down to us but if it, it makes sense as help you know i make this makes it sound so worthy and i don't want it to sound that but like helping the conversation and to you know and to open it up um in ways that it you know to new perspectives that's the thing to other perspectives and that's the thing that we're coming across on the podcast that we, that we are and some people get very angry at us <laughs> about it as yeah. well Saying especially because you
1: know, we're kind of bumbling through these conversations where we might slip on our words or something or...
0: oh oh absolutely bumbling yeah, i mean how much of this actually you know that we're, we're just trying to make it a lot
1: easier for nick that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> but the actually, one thing that like the sponsors could do, because if you go on to um, Adidas or Nike or these big sports brands, it's really diverse um, advertising. But generally, if you see someone who's black in a Nike or an Adidas advert, they'll be sprinting, they'll be a sprinter, or they'll be a cool person, or they'll be in a city. You don't really see them out on trails in the same way. And that could, that could have a massive impact, just mixing up where, they, you know, where people have their photo shoots.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. There is a, there is a huge thing about um, seeing people who are the same as you doing that. And that's not necessarily a racial thing or a a gender thing or anything like that, but just seeing people who are like you doing stuff is hugely inspiring. And that could be people from, you know, your local area or, you know, even things like... You remember when, like, Tim Peake, you know, was in the the space shuttle? Like, everywhere in Sussex, would just, like, celebrating. Look, here's someone who's from where we're from doing something in space. It's insane. And so, you know, and that's why I think that's why it holds that kind of it's the significance that actually thinking about it seeing people doing doing stuff um and especially in you know in situation i mean like you've got to look at Cory if you if you like look at cory's instagram it's it's brilliant and he just looks like he looks great he's like proper like gone out do batter outfit um that he runs in it's so it's so striking
1: or if you go onto his website and his about section it's just got a picture of him. It looks like he's leading out a road marathon, and so if you imagine what a a typical road marathon looks like, of mostly middle-aged men wearing lots of kit, um, and then in fact it's a fairly diverse field to be fair, it's, um, but and then him out the front. With his speedos on and a crop top, and you're like, "What the hell is happening here?" I do. Think,
0: I, I do think that ultra running actually feel like well, the more thing. I do think ultra running is quite boring in terms of the like I, the, the seriousness with which people take things like what they wear and stuff like that. Mm. To some extent, trail running, trail running. I mean, I know you get like events and stuff like that. Like, like white Star Running are really good at like making making it all a bit more fun and you know, but yeah, there is there is a certain serious to it to it that when you see someone like Corey running it, you're like, Whoa, there we go. That's that's the way to do it.
1: And actually having you're right, because if you're someone even if you you saw a trail runner, if you're like, Well, I haven't got that bag, I can't get all this kit. I can't do all of that. Those are all obstacles. Like in in the same way that's why I'd never going to be a, I'd never be a triathlete is because I'm never going to buy a 5 grand bike. And if you don't do that you're not really going to be competitive. So that's just a massive obstacle. And sure a a, a rucksack a running back um, might not be seen as an obstacle, or having good shorts, or but actually, if, if you go and do road 10ks, road and half marathons, you see people wearing all kind of sport kit, or non sport kit even, and they, you know, they get round, they're fine. It Sometimes it rubs, but they're all right. You know, they survive, and you can you can do ultras in pretty much any clothing, as long as it's not ridiculous. But um, you know, these are all barriers that. It, actually if we just look at what are barriers stopping anyone getting into sport that probably is also stopping people who are less likely to hear about the sport getting into the sport Um, and and maybe even more so because it's it's that extra barrier on top of the barrier you know thickening the barrier they've already got that's a lot of barriers it's a lot of barriers, a lot of barriers. I
0: tell you what, though, I would like to do, I've been thinking more about, more about um, uh, Ultras because, of course, I would do because I'm only running 5Ks at the moment. So mm. I've been, like, yearning to, to, to run Ultras. And I've been thinking about American ones and uh, some of the ones you do there. And I do think that their aid stations would be great. I mean, our aid stations, some of our aid stations are, are good. But, you know, I think
1: the ones in America would be another level. Well, if you if you ever go to that's what I I used to be really excited about. When I was younger, probably would be now actually. Is when you go into a supermarket in America and you see the the snack food aisle, which is which is which is pretty much
0: the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, just the rows and <laughs> rows. A, there's like a, a small basket of fruit, and then just rows and rows <laughs> of processed. But well,
1: that's the thing; and... they've got unbelievable like crisps and sweets and ch- they've got so many of them i imagine their aid stations might reflect that diversity of uh, of of naughtiness as such so um oh we know, should go get...
0: about it's all about whole foods wasn't he though so it's gonna be it's gonna be like like proper homemade you know i don't know that's what i think i think it would be we need to do an american ultra
1: how how have we not done
0: one that's a very good question, actually. An American Ultra. I like the idea of it, but you, but you've got to do a fifty fifty miler at bare minimum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's quite an expensive journey, isn't it? When you can go to France and do UTMB. Yeah, for... but
0: mind you, mind you, uh, I would. Uh, it, it, you wouldn't want to go all the way to America to run a five k or a ten k. It would feel it would feel a waste.
1: That is true. Well, do bad as we're going to. Um, yeah, let's put it. Let's put something in the diary. I've uh, I have to ne- negotiate with the missus because the honeymoon was meant to be to someone like the Galapagos. but maybe we can go to the Midwest. And do a,
0: do a flat <laughs> go 50. to the Midwest. We're, we're not going to go to the Galapagos. We're going to Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> and we're going to get we're going to have our honeymoon in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: And she'll be like, "What? Why?" I say, "Wait until you see the aid stations. It would all make sense. It would all become clear." <laughs> amazing well if you were uh, if you like that episode some other ones that uh you well we've talked about diversity a bit with myrna and myrna is I can't remember which she calls herself something like the fat runner or something along those lines she's huge energy and uh really fun when we talk about american trails camille heron dean Carnasses, um both obviously amazing at uh ultra running and doing big american runs and um, courtney
0: Courtney and DeWater. Courtney oh, exactly. not to forget
1: yes. Courtney and um if we could talk yeah Courtney are doing the the backyards, and also um ah oh, this fucking memory of mine what? <laughs> what what were you thinking of okay here we go Nikki cut it in cut it in and also Candice Burt talking about 200 miles she does the triple crown three 200 mile races 200 mile plus races in fact um yeah they do like them big don't they they like them big
0: they like it's a big country like you look at the country you're like 200 miles doesn't do anything 200 miles pretty much gets you across the uk
1: (laughs) yeah yeah in fact it did ali did the 117 mile coast to coast across cornwall um so but thank you for listening do subscribe if you've liked this do leave us a, a lovely five star review as well wherever you're listening to it and remember Get Newt on! I need your help on this. Oh God! Doesn't matter how stupid the idea is, how small, how big. I think you. I think anxious. I think you, I think you might be heading for a real problem
0: because you get, get Newt on may mean get Newt Gingrich on at your wedding. You should be get Newt on. No, so there's,
1: there's, there's,
0: there's, there's, there's the possibility you're going to end up with uh, the former uh, Republican. Uh, is he leader. big on
1: Instagram then? Is he.
0: Massive. Massive. He? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would be a very, very different wedding,
1: I'd say. But then, that would be quite a cool wedding. What, have Newt Gingrich there? Have Newt G- Gingrich singing at our wedding. I mean, you want your wedding day to be memorable. <laughs> that would be memorable.
2: Fox I News mean, might
1: even be there. Yeah, in fact, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, if someone wants to dig up Isaac Newton and get him to sing. Any Newton will do. Any Newton.
0: So uh, what was that but one ideally. From, Be- from Beatrix Potter. He was called was he called Isaac Newton? I don't know. There was a Newton in, in Beatrix Potter things. Well, it was, I think he was called Isaac Newton.
1: I didn't think she was that witty but I've got a bit more respect for her now. Fair play. Yeah. Well on that on that note <laughs> Musical nights. We'll see you next time See you later Bye
2: bye bye Baby, come back. bye 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 bye
1: bye 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 I must admit I was a clown To be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back Yes and give me one more try Cause a love like this Shoulda never ever die Come Come back Fuck you, buddy. <laughs>